Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. The problem is depend on uh, different perspective. It could be uh, technical issues, it could be the cultural issues, it could be the access to knowledge issues. There are a couple of issues and uh, how you put these other problems into your own world. This is the most important part because the problem framing is done by you or your team. But the problem is not yourself. Maybe you are part of the problem, definitely. So if you are not a part of the problem, you have to really understand how the community daily they are struggling with this problem. SDG Talkers, welcome back. Today, you're going to hear from Dr. Sisera Withanachichi, sorry Sisera for butchering your last name, who is a senior researcher and lecturer at University of Kassel in Germany. We're going to talk about SDG 6 particularly, but all the different 17 SDGs. And one question that I ask is, what are the challenges and opportunities in a world of 7 billion people, and even more so in 2050, a world of 9 billion people? Cicero is going to talk about the importance of partnerships. We're going to hear about the Unleash experience and the innovation process, and how there's no one-size-fits-all within the innovation process. I hope you enjoy listening, and keep on SDG talking. Cicero, welcome to the SDG Talks podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you very much. I'm doing good. And even though we are in kind of like vulnerable timelines, but I'm doing good. It's great to hear. It's good to see you again. It's been almost a year since Unleashed 2019. I can't believe it. Yeah. So it's almost one year and around one year. So um, we had a nice experience back in uh, Shenzhen in China. So um, yeah, thanks uh, inviting for me this uh, opportunity in SDG Talk. Of course. Well, I will always remember fondly uh, going to you at one of our final gate checks before we spoke and you gave some great insights and really the Unleash experience changed my life and frankly has led me here today to fortunately having this conversation with you today. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. So within your role, I mean, you are, I call myself a water guy, right? I consider you as a, a water guy as well that has this lens of looking at aspects of water resource management, uh, disaster resiliency, things of that nature. But I saw a report that you had been part of, and the title really just stood out to me, of the challenges and opportunities in a world of 7 billion people. And I know that was something part of the UN Secretary Report, but when you hear that, the challenges and opportunities in the world of 7 billion, what does that really mean? And what is some context you can provide behind that statement? Yeah, so um, first of all, coming to uh, that question, I would like to give in uh, why I love with the water, as you mentioned, that we are wa- all our water community people, water people uh, in, in, in short terms. Personally, in my life, currently I'm living in Germany, but uh, I spend my uh, life uh, 27, I mean, uh, still in Sri Lanka, so I'm a, a person who background having Sri Lanka. So uh, personally, I and my family struggle with the water. So I remember that we pitched the water from uh, three to four kilometers with the t- uh, buckets and take it the, uh, to the home and uh, store the water. And I remember that we didn't, I mean, even now we are struggling back in home, my mother, to get uh, pipelines uh, water 
even there are a couple of uh, political and social um, difficulties to get the water for this village but anyway um, this is was a very difficult time and if in its uh, short term or long term drought seasons uh, our village is hardly hit of that kind of like the water water scarcities so that's why how i love with the water because as a kid i really struggle with this matter and then i thought that definitely we have to work with the water as a thematic area and my by my elder brother and he went through also to this uh, sh- uh, this difficult uh, life and then but he end up with also in academia and person who love with the irrigation archaeology who looking at water and historical perspective in ancient sri lanka so that's why my motivation back in my bachelor's in sri lanka university of colombo and my high school time in st mary's college and ananda college so i looking at this water as a one of the, pre- uh, the key area and so as you asked the questions about this the report which we produced in 2012 in geneva the uh, postgraduate course actually it was for the um, the un uh, facilitate for the world young people who postgraduate students to come geneva to train un systems and thematic area so that thematic and um, theme was uh, this the challenges and opportunities with the 7 billion uh, populations in the world and uh, our group we are around like uh, 15 members uh, all over the world and we gathered in world meteorological organization and we headed with this climate change reports and the water as one of the thematic area so this is one of the target and um, as because as the, as the global uh, young people at that time 8 uh, years ago and we look at a uh, different perspective of the water food energy nexus and that was the wef as a early stage global discussions and um, we try to understand if yeah definitely the population is growing but then uh, we, uh, parallelly we know that the necessities and also the resources getting limited and necessities going gone and then the resource uh, even the resources limitation and how we could manage and uh, it's not a matter of that we are putting a price on a water and then we make uh, its economic good um, it's not the simple answer some of economics are proposing but our concern is that many part of the world that water still is scaring uh, and water is it could be i mean um, one of the conflict theme in the future as 1970s with the oil so that was our early um, uh, idea actually in that uh, the proposal and we try to understand um, to uh, propose for this global uh, climate agenda uh, which was produced by uh, world meteorological organization our perspective how uh, community um, uh, participation uh, be a part of this management process community participation is something that i constantly hear as a a piece a significant piece to actually move forward and 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 within water it's it's so universal yet it's something that's very unique and contextual to each and every geography and in, in you know we all need access to safe water and sanitation but locally it's it's just different and it seems like the the governance is something that is is a challenge especially when you're dealing with like transboundary rivers and dams and that nature and it gets really complicated but how from a a governance standpoint especially like you talked about the community community involvement how do we really get the community involvement and in, in sort of what's recent insight to how we're empowering locals to be involved with local water governance that's a good question 
participation it's very busy word and there are a lot of international organization as well as uh, some uh, ngos and they are working on this uh, community participation but there's still a question as an academic as a researcher i always try to critically look at that themes and theories and the practical practices so it's this really a, a participation mechanism is working out at the, the ground level is one of the question as you mentioned definitely it's it's a, it's a local regional micro level and macro level between the countries it's it's also the part and but if you looking at in the micro level this participation sometimes is just like get funds for some of the organization and this couple of years in this vanished and the people is still in the same vicious cycle that mean we call subaltern people subaltern people mean people who don't have wise people don't have a power in their own community their own society they are always neglected they are just a participation in the paper for example through my research experiences in sri lanka and georgia and as well as in brazil and also mongolia so what i observe is that the uh, especially the uh, local communities which has hierarchies if you looking at the village or community uh, people who are elite of that community if you say like the caste systems high caste people uh, who uh, either side a uh, class categories if people who in the inner circle of power politics in the local they are the forefront they are always be the presidents or treasurers or secretary of this local community organization every year the same family hierarchies and this is also a micro level power paradigms so therefore a real participation is really questionable at the ground level so that's the things that every project every policy analysis have to talk about the subaltern communities and subaltern people and giving really voice and if we have to see about their their voice we have to hear their voice rather than not the people who go into the village as a technician officer of officers or ngo officers and we are talking and we are talking and then our voice will come in through their voice again so that's not it's not a should be bound system it should be their own idea their own qualities and their own cultural norms so it should be represented this participation real participation so that is the always uh, we have to think about the community participation because the governance it's everywhere there governance is there it should not be something like executive le- legislation and so on it's a governance is something a powers there if people uh, community they trying to issue their they solve their issues at at their own capacities and uh, if they trying to get okay go to the market and some, buy some stuff this is also decision making power even the micro level so this is also part of the governance and in that context inclusive governance mean that so this is this the real participation giving the power to the subaltern and giving the voice for the subaltern so within that balance of water resource management it's, it's something that maybe the appearance is that it's a top led down initiative but it we really need this bottom up and the bottom participation up approach it seems like that sounds great in theory but maybe it's 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 somewhat hard to execute do you have any examples of success stories or failures of some local state kind of water governance issues within the work that you've done 
Yeah, there are success stories. And though, as you said, there are a lot of failure stories, but there are a couple of success stories. Uh, I remember that one of the village in Sri Lanka. So the it's it's, a, it's part of their traditional uh, water management systems, and uh, and that village in Anuradhapura district uh, in a rural part, and, and they have the traditional water resource management systems using the social structure. And this local community, without their social classes or elitism, they are actively engaged, especially the women. Women are the group who taking the decisions in that village how we should divert the water and how we allocate the water for this village. And they they are gathering each week and they are discussing. And it's a self organized. And there's nothing program coming from government or NGOs. And uh, in, as we researchers. And um, we could really show that, that we could observe uh, how they, as self, they organize for this, manage their own water facilities because they are lack of water. But because of this la- lackness and because of the scarcity, they try to manage that water. And so the women play the big role. That's quite part of that because in the village structures, uh, even the man is, uh, the, uh, the patriarchism is way of the power structure. So here that the women, took a power that, um, so they are people who always manage, this community who manage the home needs. And they are people who uh, stay, women are the people who struggle their day-to-day life. So they stay in the village. And um, so they could have opportunity to gather. So that's the how, and, and that systems uh, already is observed through our, our studies as well. And there are a couple of also some of other structures as is in the local governments and the local governments and local governance, I would say local governance, more, more, more inclusive concept. And there are a couple of village, uh, we observe that so-called the diffuse of societies in this, some a certain area, they have their own community uh, participation systems like we call Attam system. That's a very traditional way in Sri Lanka. They are uh, sharing their labor with other community without uh, asking money. And uh, some people who uh, help into that certain type of labor and they go to other uh, areas. So it's like a sharing their labor as well. And also they have, this is called a C2 system. C2 system is that with community trust and they are collecting money by earning their small day-to-day life, they collect small money and then they share uh, among the group. So it's called C2 systems and this is also uh, uh, happening other large companies as well. But this is village scale. This is the, uh, um, the uh, organic way of their life society. So I mean, there are good examples. Yeah. And so that was, that was a great example of the citizen access to water and, and creating this sort of sort of awareness mechanism and, and finance payment mechanism, it seems like. But I also know while access to safe water and sanitation is, is a huge thing and we need to focus on more, one of the biggest users of water is agriculture and farming. And it seems like often, and I know in America, there's a huge issue of just, we don't value water appropriately. So a lot of times it's farmers in the West, it's use it or lose it. It's, there's no economic value tied to it. It's either I lose it, use it, or it's just a waste which is terrible, but I, I'm interested in your thoughts with some of the research you've done of how do we show farmers and, and the, those that are involved with agriculture particularly the value of water and are there ways that you can provide incentives with you know, either carrots or sticks, you know, different types of incentives or punishments. And, and then I know the, ish, the idea of like data visualization, like making this pertinent like I, to me it's like it's hard if there's water in the ground it's like i don't care it's just 
you know, it's just water on the ground. But like, how do we visualize that and, and showcase the value of water, particularly within farming and agriculture and, and some of the work that you've done? That's a good question with the WEF network as well, uh, water, food and energy nexus. As this is the, so we, I mean, uh, this very uh, important point we have to mention that there's no global one framework or one solutions, uh, which we have, we could apply everywhere in the world. So each community, every, each structures are different from each other. For example, as you mentioned that in America, United States of America, even that they, they are maybe in California, different from the Texas and Texas from New York. And the farmers, even though different, maybe their, their behavior, their social thoughts could be different throughout the countries. And um, so definitely the farmers, if um, the, 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 how we value that there, it's a process of education. I mean, uh, we couldn't say like farmers are just uh, uneducated people. Farmers are more educated. Generally, in many parts of the world, farmers farmers are regarded as uneducated uh, social uh, sector. It's not true because farmers really know the value of their natural resources. So they are diverted into different, some economic interest part of the world. And for example, like Green Revolution, which is 1970s and 1980s, some of international organization and big chemical companies, they full into this authentic organic farming systems, which is very sustainable. And they've, they've, because of the economic interest, they full these chemicals into the, the throughout different government systems or whatever. They full the free fertilizers, herbicides, pesticides, and farmers uh, were asked to use those stuff. And we have interview data from farmers in those days, and they were asked they, uh, from the government side as well. So that's why I mean the farmers, uh, they could not be very independent. It's not, not they are not educated. They are powerless people compared to powerful people. Uh, people who have power so due to this hierarchy so they have to hear about those uh, technician knowledge and they have to use those stuff so that's why this so-called non-point water pollution or point water pollution is coming from the agriculture so as we talk about the um, usage um, of the the level of usage how we could give the like authority or like the uh, power to decide uh, how I can uh, access this water with a responsibility and uh, um, uh, as a countable way. And this could be like addressing water necessities. For example, if if the so society is as a collective society, farmers not per, based on very individualistic way, rather than they have a community view, so definitely they have to take care of each other. So this essence, I, I know that some part of this in the United States, as they are also working with this cooperative farming system, especially in the urban gardening, as peri, peri urban gardenings. And some of colleagues, even in the United States, they are working with this collectiveness to give in this idea. And with this, this collective, because all are dealing with our feeling. And it's not only the rational thinking, which is just only economic uh, stuff, but the feeling is also important. How I care of other neighbor, how I take, how I, uh, how, how, why I should um, recognize other rights to access water in my usage, in my, my utilization of the water. So this is the feeling is important to have any water use, users, but it's particularly the farmers who use um, Roughly 70 percentage, 60 percentage of the water for um, from if you uh, consider as a one of the 100 percentage. Um, so the farmers who you uh, so they, they if they could feel that okay. So if 
in a collective uh, i mean it's a common common resource um uh, stuff like the uh, we know that elena ostrom uh, professor elena ostrom she is a pioneer scientist who worked in this common pool resource management and um, she always try to understand this common pool because this is a common pool and there are many stakeholders coming and they are taking their resources and so on but even this, the, 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 there is a, there is the um, uh, mutual understanding mutual way of uh, uh, getting the responsi- responsibility especially if you looking at the groundwater access and um, the groundwater is invisible and they are pumping the water without there not limitations and then just suddenly uh, the ground well is is it's empty and then there's no water so what could we here then then the role is coming technicians and the, if the know how go to the, the local community if they could in beforehand they know that okay this is our water resource and there are limitation and then we know how to access that water resource rather than because there are some cases i observe in georgia um, there are farmers they are um, after that collapse of soviet russia russia they are more collective in soviet russia and then suddenly with this economic diversion and economic revolution uh, becoming more uh, um, capitalism uh, i would say more individualistic uh, farmers and they don't care about other farmers and farmers who could access big land because they have in a very i mean it's like the uh, land distribution policies which is not really equal people who are close to power they could get more land more hectares and others are smallholder farmers and who are the majority of the society and they could not really control the water resource of that village they could not control even the the groundwater the, the, the big farmers who have a lot of hectares they are the controlling the water resources so this is the issue so we could put the blame on total farmers but there are a couple of farmers yeah i couldn't agree more that there is no one size fits all and that from sri lanka to india to georgia to maine says peru they're just every situation is very different and and we do it comes back to that grassroots community led understanding and i think that to me is a, a recurring theme that we need to keep thinking about when we're approaching the sdgs um but what one thing that you struck a, when you were talking it reminded me of the whole sort of leap forward with the green revolutions in the 60s and 70s and and maybe some of our addiction to some of the genetically modified seeds and the pesticides and the fertilizer which cause huge growth in, in some of these yields with these crops. And I, and I know there's been some problems with that, but I think what, what I'd like to hear from you is give us a little context on that agricultural advantage, that leap. But I think more importantly, do we need another green revolution or a modern green revolution? Because I know there's an expectation that there's going to be 9 billion people in 2050. I mean, your earlier question was, or my question, it was challenges and opportunities in a world of 7 billion people. How about the challenges and opportunities in a world of 9 billion people within just a matter of whatever, 25, 30 more years? Yeah, so um, the green revolution, the word is green is uh, overly misused. It's kind of like the green is a color connected like the discourse issue and which I was uh, in 2002, uh, I, mean, I, I wrote a paper about this uh, green consumption and discourse analysis about how people understand green as to name their ideas. It's a greenwashing, you could say. The Green Revolution in the 1970s, they use as a, a term, okay, we are green and we are more friendly for the nature and so on. It's really like a green, it's, 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 uh, it's misused. Yeah, definitely. We need a revolution and revolution is happening now. 
and uh, people uh, really are moving to more sustainable farming system sustainable agriculture systems sustainable food systems most part of the world and uh, we now observe in uh, many supermarket chain as well because they are in a part of this uh, the value chain process so they are also having a sector for organic foods even in in back in your country as well united states you see that and um, so the green in terms of that the sustainability uh, sustainability is a concept sustainable food system is is a player make big role and the 9 billion so the question is uh, not about the quantity as well as quality so people who are giving we need a more harvest through more genetic modifications and more fertilizers and so on there are couple of counter argument as well So, and uh, we have to question about this fundamental question is the the sharing of our resources is equal it's not i mean the people who could access for the food they could access and they are they are the excess of the accessing so they have oversupply sometime the food but people who don't access the food they don't have so that's the issue of the distribution matter it's a matter of distribution and uh, so we have to think about critical question about that part as well and and many part of we know that it's especially uh, there are social actions it's called in germany as well it's called um, the uh, rettungslebensmittel that means uh, protecting uh, food so um, we also a part of the social engagement we and i remember that uh, we trying to uh, go to some supermarket and uh, take you know there in the uh, uh, behind the supermarket there are come couple of um, containers they put their day after the expiries foods but they are not really uh, expiries is even people can eat but they they people who trying to serve protect that uh, food they don't want to give away uh, we have to pay that so imagine so how many uh, even the after the, the official hour of the supermarket how many uh, breads and uh, stuff are throw away even they can consume some communities so this is the part so this is the the, the distribution matter of distribution issue so definitely there are uh, now progressive social uh, movement are working on youth groups and some religious group probably and social activism they are working on that sharing food and so on this is perfect now we are in the revolution process and our generation and our future generation as well now they are working on this and uh, some people who are in our early generation who are 19s uh, who are 17 60s they are more pro- uh, there are some progressive people who are helping to this social movement so in 9 billion people we, we should not afraid that anyway it's it's a it's a nature so if we can't control we can't say that we need to stop that like a using malthusian principles we can say okay now you have to have a birth control and so this is another part of uh, argumentation what we have to think about that how we uh, share this food how we share this sustainable agriculture food system for this community and imagine this global pandemic situation with covid-19 and we are talking about one side the population growth and other side there is uh, loss of the the people human on this world and this is another another tragedy so as well yeah i mean so well well said and well put i mean it seems like there's 100 directions we go in this conversation but i want to tie back to some of the the unleash uh, future talents or or anyone anyone that's a a future talent where I remember when we were in Unleash we talked about okay really getting to the problem and then thinking about a is some type of solution whether it's a hardware whether it's software whether it's data whether a uh, policy innovation uh, it seems like there's a lot of ways that we can uh, 
look at this problem in a lot of ways that we can maybe incrementally and piece by piece uh, try and provide solutions and alleviate some of the distribution problems, alleviate some of the, the knowledge problems, alleviate the the access to resource problems, whatever it may be. But what would you say to aspiring change makers or innovators on if they want to try and address this problem, you know, where, where to start and, and how to approach this from a, a thinking design process? That's a good question, uh, Kevin. Uh, Unleash, it's the way we all met. So Unleash is the place that many global talents, uh, many part of the, I mean, uh, based on their expertise, cultural differences, countries, that is the one of the world largest uh, youth gathering, or, the, um, or we would say expert, not on the youth, but different uh, age group we gather. So through this journey, definitely uh, Unleash could def- um, observe where are the problems and how uh, local solutions and how youth community working towards uh, for this issue and how they understood that. And the, that is the best part of the uh, Unleash. In the Unleash from 19, uh, 2017, from Denmark to uh, this year with the Unleash hacks in many parts of the world. So uh, we are trying to uh, know each other. And it's not, as you mentioned, this is not about data. This is not about some current production as well. But this is the things that we are mingling each other, get to know each other, how we observe these issues in our perspective. So this is the one part. Because sometimes in the group work, we are struggling and we're trying to, sometimes we fight each other maybe. No, this is my idea. is good. No, this is not. But certainly with this couple of days, uh, Team members realize, okay, no, that's not mine. Mine idea is not the best thing. So there are some other way. So this is the part of this innovative uh, journey, the lab. Uh, it's not finally, okay, we, we should win the prizes. We should make this gold. No, no, that's uh, that's not. So that's why the Unleash is the best part. Uh, I remember that in Unleash, uh, in, even in, in, in Shenzhen, China. So there are very, uh, I mean, as you mentioned, that there are some of the primary production ideas as well, and they are conceptual, and some of their some engagement um, still they are working on that. And even 1970s, uh, 2017 community, they are working with Unleash Plus as well. So group are working on, and um, there are local solutions at how we solve this issue at the local level, how we connect the community uh, throughout the world and uh, address these issues. And it's not only become an entrepreneur, but a person who take care about the globe as well. Well said. And I think that was a big thing I learned from Unleash is that you don't need to create the next Facebook or, or create this new widget. And you, you frankly, you don't even need to be the head person. You know, you, know, you having that self-awareness and knowing that you could be a, a piece of the puzzle on a team and, and really try and I think the most important thing within this whole innovation framework that Unleash taught me more so than anything else is understand your user, ask questions, understand what is the actual problem in that world and in that dynamic. Because even within Sri Lanka, I'm sure from Northern Sri Lanka to Southern Sri Lanka, it's very different. So you can't just put a blanket over it. So before you want to innovate, the most important thing that I can advocate, and I'm sure you can as well, is asking that question. So I just maybe if you want to add on that of why, what is the process to understand the problem and asking the questions and why is it understanding the end user such an important thing to do before you even start thinking about the solution? Definitely. The, that's I totally agree with you because the problem framing stage is the most important, not only the Unleash, but also in any other 
your own concept not because i mean even you may be a political if uh, if you you may be a academic or some other uh, stakeholder as well but you have to understand the problem where the problem exists so you have to address that if um, the problem framing is most important part and the problem the problem is depend on a different perspective it could be uh, technical issues it could be the cultural issues it could be the access to knowledge issues there are a couple of issues and uh, how you put these other problems into your own world this is the most important part because the problem framing is done by you or your team but the problem is not yourself maybe you are part of the problem definitely so if you are not a part of the problem you have to really understand how the community daily they are struggling with this problem you have you have to be a part of that problem so then you have to really understand artificially though you have to go i mean to do in, in and you have to think about okay if i am a part of that community if i am part of that issue i would face so so this is the understanding of the problem and then the framing is most important and even even the wording is quite quite important because it's not should be a uh, huge essay it should be a uh, something like very short and it should be uh, readable to other person and get the understand oh that's a that's the issue so it's not a wording games but it's uh, something you are communicate you disseminate that issue from other community to other community well said and totally agree that's not just a unleash innovation process it's a it's really a life innovation process in terms of how you can approach anything to really one thing that i think i took from it was keep going until you can no longer ask why just keep obnoxiously and aggressively asking why and eventually you can be like oh that makes sense i mean and for example like within the group that i was working on in flint michigan there's the issue of lead contaminated pipes and then lead get uh, lead consumption in the household and things of that nature and people were like oh easy solution F- fix all the pipes and it's good it's like well there's a lot more wise to how it happened and what to do so there's just there's so many things that need to go into diving into the core problem and i think your research and your your methodology has been super helpful for me to understand fellow unleashers um so thank you for that and in one in sort of two final questions i wanted to to ask you um, before we wrap up here and you can you can answer in, in any order but within the context of the work that you do or just generally within the 17 sdgs what is something that you're most excited about right now and vice versa what is something that keeps you up at night and you're terrified about so um i i will answer about that in myself that the sdgs uh, one time the sdgs is one of the normative goals actually uh, compared to the our millennium development goals so we have more brighten and uh, more perspective towards uh, another 10 years but uh, i would say that this the 10 years not enough because uh, the sdg should be uh, yeah okay there's a goal so we have reached that definitely so every day i mean in life we have a goal probably have a goal so normative stuff probably but we have to in actually they have to participate for that and we have to work on that so uh, in this 70s i'm really uh, when compared to mdgs uh, i'm really happy the inclusiveness of these sdgs and um, it's considered many uh, some indicators and some different uh, parts even inside the one uh, sdg as well and uh, it's also given opportunity for a community to take uh, active uh, participate for the uh, mechanism especially in a cop this uh, parties connections uh, collective uh, parties as well and in, i remember that in the those days in, in this mdgs or other international summits the only uh, 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 
political members so or member of government they gather they took the decisions and they decide what the people should do but now at least remember that 2000 uh, yeah 12 i participated rio plus 20 and we are the community actually and i was a member of that uh, earth in brackets and it's a joint uh, program with college of atlantic in in united states and we are and we struggle in the in that forum and we make uh, silent and voiceable and uh, uh, the protest and uh, to our different teams and that's amazing and giving the opportunity doors for uh, local communities as well and ngos as well so this is the best part of this uh, second phase of development calls and uh, and we observe that a partnership as one of the goal uh, it's really working on and we are not only the uh, those days partnership is only between high level political apparatus but now we know that we are connecting between countries through unleash academics are connecting and the ngos are connecting and some communities are connecting this is the best part so and we know that friday for, so that is quite interesting how the youth and they are coming out and they are raising the voice so this is the best part and uh, we need to empower those those areas and we, we because i highly believe that if if the community is silent if the people after the vote they are giving vote and if the people are just moving and oh, okay now we gave the vote and we are in the representative democracy or our members of parliament member of uh, executive and the, uh, uh, and the legislatures or they are they are taking the decision no no don't trust uh, any part of the world uh, this politician because they are not really representative of people they are just making i because of nepotism because of the other political power because of money they are become politician not because of their real democratic representatives this is the questionable issue any part of the world there is no single country who can say oh they are the real uh, local uh, community representative no so therefore i would always say the sdg should be soundable community should always talk about that discuss about that and come to the street and make the voice otherwise politician take decision without asking us so and 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 then they will de- destroy this planet because they don't care about planet a or planet b they will go to the planet uh, another another planet or another searching mars and uh, but uh, helpless people we have die here so this is the things uh, terrible i feel in that i share that sentiment and into the to the excitement part agree that the collaboration amongst all the different government academia business nonprofit citizens between all the countries throughout the world and and as much of a challenge covid has been it, it still has, has been tragic in so many ways it has forced us to collaborate in and even and have conversations with new people i mean sometimes i feel like i'm i'm zooming my life away but i also know that this is just this is a great way of engagement and we have to we have to be able to zig and zag when things happen and it's been great to see a lot of innovation happening throughout 2020 and i know it's been challenging but we've got more challenges but we we still have nine more years of 2030 i'd like the idea of setting a goal and and let's strive for it um and, and sister i mean you are you are the epitome of of someone that um is truly leading the charge here with the with the SDGs and and uh, it's been an honor to to know and talk with you through unleash through here in the SDG talks and in some more collaboration moving forward so um you have the SDG talks and myself we just want to thank you for your tireless and passionate work and i really look forward to seeing what's next um from all your work thank you very much for this opportunity kevin thank you thank you 
Thanks for listening to the STG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow STG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash in United Nations community. The goal of the STG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on STG Talks.